Welcome back to the Automated Decision Making and Society podcast. I'm Natalie Campbell, and in today's episode, we're bringing you a keynote address by Professor Cheryl Soriano from De La Salle University that was delivered as part of the ADMS Symposium, Automated Societies, What Do We Need to Know?, held in July 2022. In this talk, titled Beyond the Platform's Algorithmic Power, Constructing Trust, Control and Capital in Worker Platform, Worker Client and Worker Worker Communicative Relationships, Professor Soriano discusses how the interpersonal relationships between workers shape a significant dimension of the platform labour conditions and experience. Thanks very much to ADMS um, for this opportunity to share some thoughts with you today. Um, my talk will center more on everyday social reconfigurations happening around the automation of labor and specifically in the platform-mediated organization of work. Well, we already know that the controls wielded by cloud work platforms via algorithmic power and the resulting precarious conditions that these facilitate has been emphasized in scholarly research. In this automated matching of buyers and suppliers of labor, we know that the subjugation of labor to algorithmic management systems contribute to the fragmentation of work, increased casualization, undermining of the standard employment relationship that make relations impersonal, and automation and atomization of workers that can also undermine potentials for solidaristic expression. But perhaps in part due to the emphasis on the machinic control and management aspect and the geographic isolation of actors in this platform-mediated labor environment, one of the relatively understudied aspects pertains to the communicative relationships with clients and other workers, amongst workers. Although the platform's power emerges in the techno-social control it wields in the trilateral relationship of platform, workers, and clients, the intercultural relationships between workers, many of them based in the global south, and their clients in the context of cloud work, many of them based in the global north, and the interpersonal relationships between workers shape a significant dimension of the platform labor experience. So in this talk, I will highlight these communicative relationships. And by shifting the focus to the different articulations of worker agency, I hope to complement extant analysis and show how cloud workers in the global south actively navigate the terrain of work and society within platform capitalism. My talk will be framed by two um, intertwined lenses. Um, the first is to place this in context and to emphasize how the distinct post-colonial conditions of the Philippines, a country which is one of the top suppliers of labor in cloud work platforms, matters to understanding the kinds of agency digital workers act on. Second and equally important, is the emerging body of work examining the value of relational labor and the moral economy in the analysis of platform work. So I'll begin with um, um, situating um, cloud work in the context of the Philippine as a post-colony. Um, I draw from a, uh, by now, almost five years of digital ethnography on the working conditions of cloud workers in the Philippines, but also benefits from conversations with scholars studying platform labor in the, in the other uh, parts of the Global South under my work with Fair Work. Despite or maybe precisely because of the country's reputation as a, power for, as a workforce powerhouse, it has been characterized by a historical trajectory of post-coloniality from three centuries of Spanish rule to the 50-year American regime. 
This post-coloniality extends to its entanglement with the present neoliberal global order of the digital industries, from pushing Filipinos as migrant workers to fully embracing business process outsourcing, the government has pushed the popularity of platform labor as a solution to unemployment. Filipino platform workers have been incorporated in the national government's push for world-class service workers and modern heroes who bring in much-needed foreign currency to the country. In the global digital economy, the position of the Philippines as a source of relatively cheap labor and back-end business jobs, both integrated into the global economy and consign it to a subordinate position in relation to cities and regions that specialize in creative industries. Just a bit of a context, a large proportion of the work in cloud work platforms is performed by workers in the global south, particularly India, the Philippines, Pakistan, and Bangladesh. Noticeable in this image is that while online freelancing is taken up across the globe, including Australia and the US, the nature of the clients, whether local or foreign, differ, as well as the rates. In the Philippines, I point you to the PHL, uh, in, the, in the PHL circles, um, the bright blue around the inner circle indicates the predominance of foreign clients versus local clients. And the dominant yellow inner circle implies that the median rates are at the low end. And such is the case in the Philippines, predominantly foreign clients, predominantly low median rates. A condition shared with Bangladesh and Pakistan as well. It is therefore easy to um, give workers the easy ascription of sweatshops with little pay that are of little value being performed by an educated workforce. However, as Latin American labor sociologist Ronaldo Monk argues, it is important to nuance our labels of precarity and marginality in systems where precariousness and poverty is the norm. Similarly, we need to rethink our assumptions of how agency and solidaristic formations might look like in this context. So in the Philippines, cloud work is actually perceived as a viable work option. No longer overseas Filipino workers, but now online freelance workers or OFW 2.0. One still earns dollars and performs as a global worker, now with work more technology-oriented and therefore more savvy, and this time without having to be away from home. This is crucial in understanding the nature of agency and relational labor that emerges from this discourse. I now move on to the second leg, which is tackling the emergence of work focusing on relational labor. An emerging body of scholarship um, has looked into the interconnectedness of work undertaken in otherwise contrasting socioeconomic spheres, market, non-market, formal, and informal. This body of scholarship argued that labor practices are entangled in meaningful interpersonal relational infrastructures, in addition to being embedded in impersonal markets and inseparable from personal relations of friendship or community. In the context of platform labor, more recent um, bodies of work are coming out to tackle relational labor in the context of platform work. In Alakovsk's work on creative workers in Albania, for example, it was found that workers engage in a range of relational labor practices. Same for Raval and Lalvani, as well as Kadri in the context of India and Indonesia on on-demand work. Recently, Cho also highlights the humanization of the post-human condition, where the assemblage of machine-human and human-to-human -human interactions in the pandemic creates openings for gradual progressive change for gig workers. Similarly, our work on 
entrepreneurial solidarities have examined these emerging collective formations rising out of platform work. So instead of seeing workers as mere cogwheels where their subjectivity is fully subjugated through objectification and commodification, this approach comes from understanding labor conditions from the perspective of workers, featuring them as complex human beings with their sociality, affect, and unpredictability. Here, workers go about their work relationally too, rather than just solely economically. In doing so, they transform labor practices into relational practices underscored by communicative techniques. In the succeeding discussions, I draw attention to worker-client relationships and how this links to worker-to-worker -worker solidarities in the Philippine post-colonial contexts. In the context of platform worker relationships, the platform does a lot of things, such as making workers visible to clients to get them matched through the data that it receives to organizing and curating this visibility, along with a technological management system to maintain this trilateral relationship. Platforms, labor platforms specifically, put together a breadth of dispersed information that they offer to workers and clients and connect previously disconnected entities, thus gaining control, data, and value from this exchange. As intermediary agents between workers and clients, they are imbued with the power to determine the rules of the interaction. And in this context, there's very limited control workers can wield over the platform, except to curate a good, attractive portfolio to be visibilized and matched successfully by the platform. Yet, as Vallis and Score argue, platforms exert control while diffusing or externalizing responsibility over actors in this relationship. Where there is not much space to assert one's agency in the automated aspect, workers will assert agency in other ways permissible. I now move on to worker-client relationships. The relationships between workers and their clients in cloud work are often marked by physical, cultural, and power distance but beyond the physical distance also marked by varying time zones and the power distance underscoring the client and worker relationship marked by subordination, all the workers I've talked to have dealt with foreign clients. A further complicating context is that bridging these distances through communication is largely mediated by technology in the context of remote work with the relationship marked by multiple forms of online exchanges. Power distance does not only pertain to the client-subordinate relationship, but also involves the highly insecure position of cloud workers amid high competition and labor seasonality. I now discuss the multiple ways and, and everyday um, um, uh, reconfigurations workers negotiate their paid tasks through communicative relationships with their clients. And this begins from the first client interview through the performance of their job. One is about performing competence, and it includes first calculations of overperformance, which involves willingly accepting tasks, then previously underscored without asking clients for extra compensation, to delivering a task faster than necessary. Workers do not see this as necessarily being differential. It is adjusted based on multiple considerations, including perceived client reciprocity. Workers would explain that it generates a client's trust by magnifying their competence, marked by their flexibility to adjust to the task, and also efficiency by way of displaying their capacity to perform with little resources. 
It is important for workers to uh, minimize the physical distance also by not making the time difference an issue, by measuring or ensuring that they're up and about and perform a work up to work attitude at the very time clients come online, even if that is 12 midnight from their end of the world. Connected with building their competences, calculating when to clarify vague, ambiguous tasks or directions. This is entangled in a web of colonial and technologically mediated power relations, as one worker articulates. We should just ask clients, but Filipinos really have to get over the fear because the shyness that comes from the colonial mentality that we look up to white people. Also because we are under and they are your boss. So you could get embarrassed in this relationship. So, so um, th this particular worker um, is talking also about the challenges of articulating um, a worker's demands in the context of this technologically mediated, but also um, the intercultural differences that need to be bridged in the context of cloud work. Although clarifying tasks appear straightforward, it is embedded in colonial relations of dependency. Others clarify tasks immediately, but others calculate if clarifying a task becomes a judgment of one's competence that can undermine trust. As a trust-building strategy, workers delicately calibrate when to complain when tasks become too much or deadlines are set too tight. To workers, this pertains to the client's assessment of their reflexivity that involves being sincerely concerned about the client and the client's business. To workers, it entails a delicate balance between showing this concern for the client and the concern for the self. Some workers also carefully calculate when they are eligible to ask for a raise or a bonus. For those contracted for a relatively longer period and work more closely with clients on an everyday basis, the estimation of when they can ask their clients is connected not only to their assessment of amount of extra work poured in, but to the closeness of the relationship. When they feel they have gained enough client trust, they may begin asking for increases beyond agreed upon terms. Races and bonuses are rarely spelled out or provided in contracts in cloud work, and in most platform contracts, clients are not required to. But workers know from sharing with other workers on social media that clients may willingly provide this based on relationships of trust, some given during special occasions like Christmas or worker birthdays. As such, the first node, overperformance and overcompensation, becomes crucial anchors to their assessment of when they can rightfully ask for these gifts, quote unquote. Interestingly, some um, workers consider their client state on when to ask for a bonus, even when they thought they deserved it. I now move on to caring practices or caring labor. And paid caring practices are performed regularly. These forms of relational labor of care appear to be crucial to the worker in building the foundations for trust that also shapes the ways they get to negotiate the paid aspects of their work. But here I want to emphasize the social relationships that form beyond pure economic calculations. Establishing friendships is one, including expressions of concern over the client's family or business, or willingly disclosing own personal details about workers' family or children to preparing um, 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 family stories during client meetings. Notably, this involves a reciprocal relationship by the worker and the client. It involves a mutual disclosure of personal circumstances and problems that for some workers is part of establishing friendships with clients. It also includes accepting client requests to be friends on social media, as some workers say, is a way for clients to know that workers can be trusted because there's no other way to see the real you. 
Workers also serve the labor of being the client's confidants, not just term, in terms of particular business-related tasks and decisions, but also in terms of problems involving the business or their families. Occasionally, clients visit the Philippines, sometimes along with their families, to deepen the trust and relationship. Workers happily serve as cultural ambassadors to clients, accompanying them in tours or helping them plan their itineraries. In closer work-client ties, clients would send workers or their children presents for special occasions or company gifts during holidays, to which workers would reciprocate with sending gifts from the local culture. Some workers even had clients stand as godparents for their children. I now begin to talk about the rewards, both experienced and perceived. And um, when I reflected on what kinds of rewards workers were talking about, it struck me how those rewards that they have experienced from these careful negotiations and relational labor easily mapped into what were, in fact, not given in the context of platform labor. So I matched them on the left with the challenges of cloud work. I begin with the economic rewards that workers successful in relationship building with clients gain before moving into non-material rewards. In cloud work, the workers pay for their tasks and roles are indicated in the contracted amount upon matching. However, workers are able to negotiate some increases or become entitled to bonuses and other monetary rewards and tangible gifts, such as new equipment, as they build closer relationships with clients. This includes the grant of an extra month pay sometimes, a birthday bonus, or provisions for new equipment or internet connectivity. Some workers shared vacation bonuses too, where due to friendly relationships they might build with clients, they can get sponsored for local family trips to visit clients overseas. A key concern about platform labor is the absence of safety nets where workers who fall ill or whose family members fall ill experience precarious positions due to the lack of safety nets. And this is true for many of the experiences of workers. But for workers, these relationships get, if they're successful, they, they get to extend to the provision of health insurance given by some clients after a certain level of trust has been established. A number of workers also benefited from receiving some cushion during difficult periods, especially during the pandemic, such as paying for the full hospital coverage when family members hospitalized and when clients would advance their salaries or lend them some money. I was struck by this. Um, um, one worker was sharing how the client voluntarily um, um, shared about 100,000 pesos for um, his mother's um, um, illness. The next one is about client loyalty and labor seasonality, hyper-competition and labor arbitrage are rampant in cloud work. Hopping from one client to another is onerous, particularly because one needs to build new relationships again. The goal of workers is to become top of mind of their clients, increasing the possibility of contracting them again for future projects. Then reputation and mobility. For many workers, one of the key rewards of establishing a good client relationship is gaining a good rating or testimony that helps increase the likelihood of getting matched again by the platform and use this as leverage to bid for larger projects and higher rates in the future. Within the logics of platform labor, this is crucial because workers compete with thousands of other aspirants globally, not only in terms of their skills or offerings, but by these ratings. I now move on to the immaterial rewards in the bottom of the, of, of, of the table. 
But beyond tangible monetary benefits, it is striking that many of these workers see that gaining the client's trust allows them to exercise true flexibility over their work. Although cloud work promises flexibility, the reality is that many tasks within cloud work are underpinned by time monitoring softwares that check workers' minute-to-minute activities. Workers who achieve a certain level of client confidence are given greater independence and flexibility to perform and complete the tasks as they wish when they establish trust better. Next, fulfillment. Strikingly, because beyond the promise of material bonuses or good ratings, many workers aspire good client relationships because for them it makes their work more meaningful. There's a tendency for them to see this in comparison with dehumanizing client relationships. Many workers encounter problematic clients, whether personally or by accounts exchanged among workers' communities on social media. Thus, workers engage in elaborate relational work to establish meaningful ties with socially and spatially distant clients. Through this process, they obtain a sense of earning what they perceive as a respectable position in the relationship that somewhat puts them at a level of a partner rather than being mere subordinates, thereby bridging the power distance. Some of them disavow simple monetary gain in favor of affiliation and bonding, where the aim is not merely to accumulate a good reputation or monetary bonus all the time, but rather develop long-term relations of gift exchange that turn the client-contractor relation into a mutually beneficial partnership. What I try to show here is that we can also view the impact of automated decision-making by looking beyond the direct technology, but about how social relationships are reconfigured around it. The rewards workers gain and perceive to gain from this relational labor are legitimate aspirations of good work that now need to be negotiated carefully by these actors because platform-mediated organization of work could not guarantee them. I now move on to worker to worker solidarities to show how this entire dynamics cascades into worker discussions. One of the key fruits for workers who manage to obtain client trust and negotiate large projects become whom workers or freelancers more popularly call agencies that outsource projects or segments of their projects to other workers, including family members or neighbors who turn into freelancing. So in short, when they get trusted clients, clients start to get them larger projects with larger rates, and they now turn themselves into agencies that hire their families, their husbands, their partners into becoming freelance workers as well. Um, one of the workers I interviewed, she had her entire community in, from the province working for her, supplementing the work that she was able to get from the platform via a trusted client relationship. Standing for many other workers, worker agencies as brokers take on the role of navigating the platform environment, putting together crucial information needed to bid for large projects, and entering into transactions with and sustaining clients in the labor platform. In performing this role, these workers gain greater bargaining capacity to transact with clients and at the same time significant control to determine the price of labor for each worker under their agency. With such role, they set the terms of labor for their community of workers, enact direct control for social transactions between workers under their agency, and represent these workers in transacting with clients. 
The other node is what we call, in, a, in, in another work, um, entrepreneurial solidarities. The way workers navigate platform ambiguities and negotiate relationships with clients is a common feature of these entrepreneurial solidarities dominant in social media groups of workers, such as Facebook groups. Whether in terms of sharing winning strategies on how to gain a client's trust, to sharing visual imagery and norms of a successful worker-client relationship, entrepreneurial solidarities work to affirm the viability of platform work for these workers amid their own sharing of fears and concerns about the insecurity and ambiguities of cloud work. More experienced freelancers become coaches and influencers who engage in the telling of their own winning stories, featuring images or videos of the fruits or gifts earned from their hard work or from the trust they earned from their clients. They would show images, videos, photos of these, uh, their clients coming together or, 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 or all these that they managed to uh, produce uh, out of these relationships. In short, these serve as a support mechanism that justifies worker choices and strategies for thriving despite its difficult conditions, thereby helping pacify their feelings of defeat and marginality. However, the entrepreneurial solidarities also appear to dampen possibilities to meaningfully challenge the structures of power underlying platform labor. Constructing a successful or comfortable working environment becomes a product of relationship building strategies that may be achievable for some, but not for other workers. I now close with a few thoughts. My attempt is to highlight the human dimension of the platform labor economy experience along with the careful negotiations and reworking of daily relationships that guide working and being for cloud workers. A relational work perspective paints a complex picture of platform works in formal dimensions by shifting the analytical pivot to the diverse set of motivations for negotiating, establishing, and reshaping interpersonal relations for the achievement of both instrumental outcomes, such as maintaining employability, increasing profit, self-branding, but also to non-monetary considerations, such as reciprocity, flexibility, mutual obligation, and fulfillment. While the workers' accounts featured here recognize and experience the ambiguities and challenges of cloud work, they take an active role in cultivating practices within their own negotiations of self-motivation and aspiration. First, calculation. Filipino workers' ambivalent communicative relationships across these layers allows them to establish trust and negotiate critical social and economic capital to work their way through platform labor controls while at the same time reinforcing entrepreneurial logics inscribed in platform capitalism. Beyond the platform's algorithmic power, these stories demonstrate that the logics and design of platforms relate to the cascade of calculations and negotiations that take place among actors within this economy. The motivations for these communicative relationships go beyond the economic, but are rather dynamic and involves care and capital. Different platform stakeholders can act more humanely within platform labor environment that revert back to caring practices. But unfortunately, it works for some, but not for all. The power relations embedded in the relationship simultaneously reinforce tensions surrounding these negotiations. The worker stands in the relationship as well as consenting to certain sacrifices is informed 
by their understanding of a differential power position, but also how to exert agency to bridge the distance is inscribed in this power difference. Fourth, normative configurations. The norm of hard work to please a client is often valorized in worker communities, yet it can have long-term implications. While this process has the benefit of establishing these workers' reputation on the platform or help them build good relations with clients, on the whole, they can have the capacity of producing aspirations and norms that can be difficult to be achieved for other workers amid the complex realities of platform work. Thus, in the long run, reiterating such norms can actualize them for workers and clients, but end up reproducing their subordination and intensified exploitation. And lastly, contradictions. The precarity of platform labor ultimately compels workers to exercise such strategies to win clients' hearts for the promise of greater stability and a fulfilling work experience. Although the process does not lead to pure economic goals, its primary motivation is to assuage the precarious conditions presented by the logics of platform labor, instability, lack of social safety nets, and false flexibilities. These practices reinforce workers' imaginative adaptation and resilient responses to precarity and institutional instability. But workers here essentially solve pro platform problems by themselves and with their clients or with other workers, outlining the embeddedness of entrepreneurialism surrounding the moral economy emerging in cloud work. Following neoliberal ideologies of an individual entrepreneurial initiative, workers are compelled to independently manage corporate controls and the inefficiencies of public institutions, creating asymmetries for workers with diverse entrepreneurial capacities. In hindsight, these work also to reinforce the government's and the platform's narratives and also allow them to elide their responsibilities for addressing deeper structural issues in the Philippine labor economy. As a site where workers and members find both inspiration and strategy, as entrants to and active participants in this industry, these communicative solidarities can also be seen to function as recruiters for digital platforms. Thus, unless broader reforms are demanded, new entrants or less entrepreneurial workers will have to settle with the crumbs and left to face prevailing conditions. It is within this tension and contradiction I present agency and relational configurations in the context of platform capitalism. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the ADMS podcast. Visit our YouTube channel at admscenter.org forward slash YouTube for more session recordings from the 2022 symposium.